Welcome to the 433rd episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney, and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. Welcome, and thanks for listening. Today, I have a special guest from the UK. His name is Paul Yude, and I saw an article about him uh, in Runner's World. He is trying to set a record for press-ups. Here in the United States, we call them push-ups. He would like to get a million before he's 90. And ultra-marathons, he would like to get 100 before he's 100. And so I dug a little deeper and found out that he was also vegan and it basically become vegan because um, he had read something about factory farming and he didn't realize that animals were treated so poorly to, um, you know, get meat for society. I did not realize in the UK things were as bad as in the US, but it seems to be every bit as bad. So he went vegan in about age 65 and he noticed by accident when he was chasing his grandson that his knees no longer hurt him. He had quit running um, and had biked because his knees were hurting. And then after he became vegan, his knees didn't hurt. So he started running again. Uh, But he didn't take up ultra marathon running until the pandemic. Um, So I'll let him share his story with us. Um, It's quite unique. And I'm going to attempt to put some video up, which I don't usually do. Um, But I think it's worth seeing this young gentleman because he's in really top physical fit shape. So uh, I think he's worth a look, uh, worth a a view. So I'll see what I can do on, on that aspect of things. But you know, it, it always amazes me. Um, he made a statement during our interview that, you know, he, he, he states when he's doing hard things, he feels most alive and he, and he loves a challenge. And, you know, I, I can't help but wonder why do some people choose hard things and some people avoid them like the plague and, and kind of want comfort foods and the easy way out. And I guess if we knew that, um, we could probably help a lot more people. But I think for now... I, I think as many people you can listen to with a positive mental attitude and a can-do attitude and a lover of life attitude that you can listen to, I think that's probably a worthwhile way to get started. I also love that at 85, he's looking forward to things. He has no boundaries. He's not looking at his life like, uh, you know, the best is behind him. He looks towards every day as a new adventure. And I think we could all benefit by looking to tomorrow as a new adventure and embracing the gifts that today has for us. He also embraces change. You know, at a later age, he could have said, what the heck, buddy? You know, he became a vegan. He started running, started doing things. So um, message for today is you're never too old to try new things. Um, it's not over till it's over. Keep pushing forward. And, uh, you know, the easy button is not what's going to get you where you're going. It's that hard button that, that really brings you alive. So without further ado, here is Paul Yude. Yes, yes. It, and, I don't know if they got this in the States, but in the, in the ultra uh, community that I've, uh, I've, I've joined, they, they, it's called Action. It's run by a firm called Action Challenge, and people join it. They're called Trek Masters, experienced ultramarathoners, purely to find people who are struggling and accompany them and get them over the line, whatever their personal challenge is. <laughs> so they and they're just volunteers. They just love it. So 
the whole thing is uh, is uh, communal. Yeah, it's great. All right. Well, we'll officially get you introduced, but welcome, Paul Yud, to the podcast. I ran across your initial story in Runner's World, uh, where it said 85-year-old gentleman on track to do a million press-ups and 100 ultras before he is 100. And currently, I believe you're 85 years old? I am, yeah, yeah. And and you became vegan in your 60s? Yeah. Yeah, 65, roughly, yeah. 65, I, to, I started by, by wanting to avoid mad cow disease, BSE. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I can give up meat, no problem. So I gave up meat, and then I started looking at the dairy industry and the egg industry and the chick, and I didn't like what I saw. I'd taken no interest in it before that. I was a big meat eater, and uh, but somebody triggered me off, and I looked at it, and I thought, well, first of all, I gave up cow's cheese, then I gave up goat's cheese, and eventually I was eating sheep's cheese. And then I gave it all up when I found out what happened to sheep. And uh, I became vegan. And then immediately, you see my fingers? Uh-huh. See, they're gnarled and twisted. They were getting worse and worse every year. It was painful to hold a kettle, to change gear, to shake hands. Everything was painful. I went vegan and all the pain disappeared. It was remarkable. And uh, <laughs> I went vegan for the animals and my health improved. Win-win. Yeah. Very, very, very good. Um, so I didn't. So, do you think the factory farming in the UK is similar to the US? I mean, it's it's very rampant here. Is it is it that I I didn't really think it was that bad in the UK. Is it? Yeah, oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. I think ninety percent of all the uh, animal products produced are, are, are factory farmed. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I, I you know you kind of get that. Um, feeling of the you know the english countryside and cattle grazing there wouldn't be as bad as our feedlots in the midwest but um i guess to feed the population it's to, to, to feed the fast food industry you got to have it everywhere i guess well indeed yeah yeah it's, it's iniquitous it really is terrible so you were a cyclist in your 60s not much of a runner because your knees hurt that's right i tried to run in my 40s and my knees uh, were so painful i gave up after six weeks and uh, when when my when I went vegan and all the pain disappeared, I didn't connect it. I didn't think about running until I was running around the chasing my five-year-old, six-year-old grandson around the kitchen, the dining room table. And I thought, hang on, my my knees aren't hurting. <laughs> so when lockdown came along, I uh, I did a twenty-yard trek in my in my back garden and, and ran around that for six months, and found I really loved it. <laughs> it was something I could do. And the fact that I was pretty fit when I started, because I was doing my, uh, I got this challenge to do a million press-ups between 80 and 90. That I was pretty fit anyway, so and I just dropped into it and uh, found I loved it. Now, you were in the Royal um, Air Force, and then you were a bread maker. Tell me about the bread making career. Well, I I, uh, I took early re retirement and uh, uh in, when I was 55, and uh, I, I wanted to teach my hobby of bread making, so I did a city and guilds course uh, to teach adults. Uh, did stage one, stage two, then I did the certificate of education, and then my tutor said, "Well, you may as well go and get a degree now. You've got the certain." So I, I finished up with a two one in education and training to go with the two all levels. I left school with the two qualifications. I left school with. My second go at education was just a complete joy. It really was, yeah. 
And so you taught bread making. Did you have a bakery or it was? I used to, uh, I used to go to different schools and uh, and teach. um, I had a a 15 year contract uh, with uh, a a local primary school where it was run by, it was uh, under the aegis of family learning. They wanted families to come in and, and learn something, and they found bread making was a good tool to do that. So we we sit around the table with four or five families, and we over six weeks we'd make a dozen different breads. And while they were sitting there, they look around the school. Oh, this school isn't so frightening after all. And then they started joining in with the life of the school. You know, listening to kids read and all that sort of thing. Yeah, very. Yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Are you still making bread? I do. I do. I've got my. Uh, I'm, just, <laughs> I don't know if you can see this. Uh-huh. This, is, this is some bread dough that I keep in the in the fridge until I want to make bread again, and then I join that with some new uh, flour and that, and then I'll make a loaf and, and put the rest of it back in the fridge again. Keep that for, until I want to make bread again. So yeah, I keep it going all the time. Your starter, so to speak. Indeed, yeah, sort of sourdough. Yeah, starter sourdough. Okay, cool. Um, do you fuel yourself during your runs with some of your homemade bread? Not really, no. I uh, tend to, um, uh, when I'm doing my ulcers, I, I tend to take some stuff like boiled uh, baby potatoes, uh-huh. salted salted baby potatoes, um, dates with marzipan, stuff with marzipan. Um, and I have a couple of, uh, I make my own saitan. Uh-huh. Take long strips of that. We get fed on the on the uh, ulcers, but sometimes the food is a bit uninspiring. And if you can spice it up with a bit of homemade saitan, uh, that's better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a very good idea for um, taking along. Do uh, you get something savory? So, am I right? So your longest ultra to date is at a hundred k, or you did a two fifty? I still, I, I did 100K, 106K around the Isle of Wight uh, three weeks ago. Uh, we went right around the circumference of the island. Mm-hmm. For, yeah, for, it took two days, over two days, 53K each day. And that was it. I loved it. I just love it. I can't, I can't wait for my next one, which is in August. And what is that one? That's uh, 50K. Uh, it's a loop from uh, Minehead, which is a seaside town near Taunton. Mm-hmm. And we go along the coast and then up over a, a fairly big hill, back down the hill, back down the mine head again. It's a 50k loop. And uh, yeah, it's just great fun. Do you um, do you bring a crew? Does your wife come along? Or are you doing? No, no, no. Uh, I, I, um, I have done it with my son, but this one I'm going to do with a friend I met on my first ultra, another vegan woman that we met. We met up on the first run and she's going to accompany and last last time I did it last uh, uh, August with uh, a, a filmmaker who filmed me all the way around. Wow! And uh, he's using he's uh, featuring me in a, f- a film, a forthcoming uh, film that's coming out called "I Could Never Go Vegan." Ah! And that should be coming out. Well, when I asked him last time, he said shortly. <laughs> <laughs> so he's negotiating with Amazon Prime and. Uh, uh, Netflix to see the best deal and that it's going to be released. Keep an eye out for it. I could never go vegan. There's yeah. doctors on board. There's um, uh, people you might. Uh, there's in England. There's a an organisation called Plant Based Health Professionals. Mm-hmm. 
a bit like the PCRM in, in the States run by Neil Barnard. Uh-huh. And uh, there's a, the leader of that, Dr. Uh, Shirin Kassan, she's in it as well. There's bodybuilders and there's nutritionists and all sorts of different people who give you the reasons why you can go vegan. <laughs> More, have you seen the documentary, um, oh, well, which features more athletes, um, what is that called? Um, Game Changers. Game Changers, yeah, I saw that a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's brilliant. So it's so it's more along the line of that, healthy people eating plant-based and thriving. And finally, their performance is enhanced. Indeed, it is. Yeah, yeah I love it, yeah. And... So when you went vegan, arthritis went away. Were you on any medications beforehand? No, I wasn't. Okay, uh, so you're a pretty healthy guy. I am. Yeah, I'm not on any medications now. Unlike all my uh, fellow, uh, my, all my friends, they're all on something. They've all got uh, AF or they've got uh, high blood pressure or diabetes or cancer. And uh, I've, got, I've persuaded two of them to go vegan, but the rest are still works in progress i'm working on them <laughs> do you find the ultra marathon community in the uk um you have vegan options or is it still mainly yeah. junk food? there is there is yeah you but you have to ask for it they keep it hidden under the under the table because <laughs> other, otherwise all the omnis would eat it up wouldn't they so they <laughs> you have to ask for it yeah very good, you know, they're, very good. yeah they're pretty good this um, race that I um, kind of watched this weekend, um, the race directors actually were vegan. So that's um, that's kind of a new thing. And that was in Georgia, which Georgia's southern U.S., uh, very, you know, poor health, a lot of, you know, processed, greasy food. So to have a vegan ultra in that area was um you know, oh. uh, very yeah, very nice. It wasn't completely ultra, but they they had a lot of vegan options because they were because they were vegan. There's a there's an ultra out in California that is a completely vegan ultra. Uh, it's called in Mendocino 50k. So if you ever get the uh, you know to go to go out, but it's so they have so all the food is is plant based. So that's really cool. Love to do an ultra in the states, I really would. But I'd be I'd be spoiled for choice. You've got so many over there, haven't you? Yeah, it, it is a lot. You know what I mean? And again, just being new to the scene, you don't realize how many there are. Um, you know, everybody hears of the popular ones, but there are you know a lot uh, a lot of local um, trail runners. And I think just like you and and I, that you know, once you get into that community, it's so welcoming. Uh, you kind of forget about the road marathons. You know, it's uh, it's, it's so much nicer. Yeah, there's a guy called uh, um, Harvey Lewis. Yes, yes, I had him on the podcast. Ah, oh, right. He's a brilliant. Uh, he's he's all for it, isn't he? He's he's tremendous. And he Have combines you... all, he combines it all with with a full time teaching job. How does he do it? He he's just he's either running or teaching. It seems like you know, running or teaching. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So you did you start out doing some marathons and then went to ultra? You just went straight to ultra? I went straight to ultra. I, I, when I started, I started uh, in lockdown on the 28th of March, running yeah. around the, my back garden, gradually building it up. And after about three months, I, I, I thought I felt fit enough to do 100K, 10, 10K every day for 10 days to fundraise for a, a sanctuary, an animal sanctuary, the friend of mine was uh, volunteering at. 
and I started on the twenty on the twentieth of June, which is less than three months later, and and did the ten k every day. And I thought I would get more tired as the week went on, but I got stronger and finished up doing one hundred and ten k in the ten days. And uh, and then I went on online on Facebook. There's a page called Athletics, Athletic Vegans. Uh-huh. I said, well, how can I maintain this level of fitness? And somebody suggested looking at ultramarathons. And I saw the uh, the one from Minehead over the right over the peninsula to Dawlish, and I saw it online, and I was hooked immediately. I thought, I want to do that. Yeah, so that was uh, straight in, yeah. So did any of your family say, you know, hey, you're pushing this a little too much, or you're crazy, or...? <laughs> no, not really. No, they're all very supportive. Yeah, they're very good. Good, good, good. You think I'm a bit odd, but <laughs> they've grown used to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think. Um, what do you think the difference is? Like, why? You know, have you ever thought about why ultra? Why do you feel like you got to go so long? Um, you think it's all about pushing your level of fitness, or what do you think that is? I, I follow David Goggins. I'm inspired by him. And uh, he says, uh, you know, you need to be uncomfortable. If you're always in your comfort zone, you'll never know what you're capable of. So I step outside my comfort zone. And now, lo and behold, ultra marathons are now in my comfort zone. Jim. Every comfort zone. So I got to know, how did you come? How did you come to find David Goggins in your research? Um, I think uh, well, I was following uh, Rich Roll, uh huh, Roll podcast, and he popped up on one of his podcasts. I find Rich Roll is very inspiring. He gets some of the most amazing people on his on his podcast. And uh, first of all, there was this guy, uh, uh, an Indian director, Sanjay something or other, and he did this film at 3,100 miles, mm-hmm. running to become the, 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 this marathon, ultra marathon in New York, where they run around a block in, in is it Queens? Yes, yes. And they, they run out of that for the whole summer. And this is in the film, and there's also these uh, Japanese monks and uh, these uh, the Tarahara Indians and all in the film. And then the David Goggins interview came on and I was inspired by him. And I, I love the David Goggins story. It's a, it is. It's a, fa- it's a fabulous story. It's funny, though. You know, I mean, some people, it, it you, you know, you, um, I guess it's a certain mindset that, you know, likes that being pushed into the uncomfortable zone. I think it's one thing that I think that, I guess um, there's a lot of there's a lot of push for being comfortable these days. Mm. Um, you know, let's get comfort foods. Um, let's stay in a comfortable environment. Let's you know we in America drive everywhere. I don't want to sweat. I don't want to this. And then you have this community that is, you know, you're tougher than you think it is. You you love. You've got to. I'll have to link you up with the um, Leadville Race Series, uh, the podcast. Um, let it's um, it's about Leadville, um, but the the story of Leadville Ultra Marathon is um, basically it was a mining town that was going defunct. It's grit, guts, and determination is the podcast. Red dust and determination. Red guts and determination. And the founder of that 100-mile Leadville race that's at 12,000 feet 
um, was a guy named Ken Clover that basically they were trying to save the town. And if you bring in, they thought, well, if we bring in some, if we do something that people have to spend the night, then they'll come in the town and we'll stay in a hotel and we'll spend some money. And so they saved the town by starting this hundred mile race through the Leadville, Colorado, which is one of the highest points in the United States. And so he's all about, you've got more than you think you have, dig deep, you know, it's all about what you're saying, you know, it goes along that line, but he, you know, took up running at a late age. He had had a gun, he had actually been shot in a hunting accident in the knee early on in his life, you know, in his teenage years. And, you know, he was just one of these guys that it never let him affect, let him, let it affect him and end up running these hundred mile races and hundred mile bike rides. And, so they feature a lot of people that, um, you know, do these things and are inspired by getting out of your comfort zone. And to me, that's where life begins is getting out of your comfort zone. I think people, um, you know, they love life more when they push themselves outside of their comfort zone. I have to tell you, Jamie, when I was going the very first also I did, we were climbing this peak in Somerset, the highest point in Somerset uh, called Dunkery Beacon. And uh, it was pouring down with rain. It was sheeting, sheeting down. The wind was whistling across. I had a poncho on. I was trying to hold the poncho on. I pull it down at the back, and 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 I was climbing up this this stony track. And I remember saying to somebody, "You know what? There's nowhere else I'd rather be." <laughs> because you felt so alive. You know, you were living life to the absolute full. And I just, I thought this is for me. And so I've been hooked ever since. Very good. I, I have to agree with you uh, totally. And from what I saw in the article in the Irish Times, you eat a pretty, you eat a healthy, I would call you a plant-based diet more so than a junk food vegan. Yeah, I, I do have my junk food. Uh, I've got this uh, this chocolate. <laughs> but I, uh, before the ultra, before an ultra, I'll eat really clean uh, and I try and uh, follow Dr. Gregor's daily dozen. Uh huh. I, I love nutritionfacts.org. I I got uh -huh. a close eye on that, and and I eat all the good stuff, you know, the turmeric and the uh, flax seeds, and yeah, and kale and uh, spinach and broccoli and all that. Very good. So, what's your favorite dinner that you would eat? What would be a go-to dinner for you? Uh, well, actually, it's very simple. Just some red lentils uh, with some some uh, new potato, some uh, a mixture of white and red potatoes, uh, sweet potatoes, mm -hmm. and made up into a bit of a hash. Uh -huh. with some wholemeal bread. That to me is comfort food, and I love red lentils. I call red lentils a vegan's fast food because they're ready in ten minutes. Yes. You throw some flavor in and you've got a meal there, you know. Very so, yeah, good. That's my favorite, I guess. Yeah. And so what's your what's your daily mileage look at look like now? Uh, recently it's been about 45k a week. Wow. Uh, well, it's three weeks since I did the um the uh the ultra and I took a week off. I was pretty smashed, I was pretty uh, banged up for the first three or four days. I, mm -hmm. I didn't know anything. But I'm gradually built up. I'm doing about uh, four or five k. Uh, sorry, forty five k a week at the moment, and I'll build it up to sixty, seventy before the next ultra. Mm -hmm. I think it's. I, I'm not. Just, I'm not much into doing really long walks before before an ultra. I'll just get 
spend a lot of time on my feet daily. Uh, every day I'll go out and I'll do 8, 10, 12K, and that'll do me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very good. But I'm walking at the moment because uh, 17 months ago I broke my leg playing tag with my grandson, <laughs> the, the famous grandson who ran around the table with me. And, and uh, I went down and, and my leg was broken. And uh, But I was walking. After six weeks, I was walking 3K a day. Because the bone heals very quickly, but the ligaments take about 18 months, I'm told. Yeah. So I'm hoping to, to start running in about a month's time with a bit of luck. I'll take it very gently and cautiously, but I want to, I, I want to get back into running because it's, it's a really great feeling. When you're out there and you're running, you, 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 you're about six or seven K into it, and you think, gosh, I think I could run forever. You just get that feeling, don't you? There's, yeah, I think there's something with both feet in the air, even if it's only for a few milliseconds. It, it's so yeah. much better than walking, right? Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, it, it's a link with you, with the uh, ancestors 10,000 years ago. That's all we did, walk and run, wasn't it? No other way of getting around. And, and it's, a, it's a link back to what they did, except we're doing it on, in, in trainers. <laughs> yeah, have you... Um... You would probably find some interest in, um, there's a podcast called The History of Ultra Running by Davy Crockett. All right, yeah. Um, so he goes back through looking, you know, at the foot races back into the 1800s and some of the, you know, really old races. And and there's actually, a, a, he mentioned, I didn't know, I can't recall his name currently. There's also a, a, a an historian in the UK that runs, you know, a, a um, universal database on people that have done you know what what uh, the history of of ultra running but it's it's quite interesting because you know when i first started of course i i heard the book born to run i'm sure you've heard you know with the terra maras and you know we have yeah. western states here and certain things and um but it there's there's it goes back way into the 1800s you know of, of doing these ultra events uh, that people were, you know, um, they actually used to gamble on them. They in Madison Square Garden in the in uh, New York, they used to, you know, walk around a track and people would come and bet on people, you know, and they walk for hundreds of miles, wow. uh, you know, on these these day long events. So it, it's kind of funny that you know it's evolved. Of course, it's more of a trail thing now as opposed to road ultras. But um, yeah, there's there's a big there's a big history of it, and I and I think again, it just comes back. You feel more alive when you're out pushing the limits. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's right. Yeah. So, so your cronies, you know, you must have some cronies that are just sedentary. You know, you go out and you say, "Well, I got to go for a run." I mean, do you, you know? I mean, your people, I would guess, are you know, if you say you're running people, they must be much younger than you for the most part. Uh, yeah, yeah, they are, and uh, they're also. Uh, we meet up with my friends, my contemporaries. We meet up for discussion groups every now and again. We have a bridge group every on Zoom every uh, every Wednesday evening. And uh, but they are sedentary. Apart from one guy who's a cyclist, he'll cycle anywhere. But most of them are just. Uh, and these are guys with the uh, AF and the high blood pressure and the uh, and the diabetes and that. You know, um, it's difficult. Yeah, I I do a lot of outreach. I go and. Show people TV screens what's happening in the animal industry to try and educate them. Say, do we need to do this? And I find strangers are a lot easier to convince than <laughs> your friends and family. Uh, much easier. Yeah. Do you do you think there's? I mean, um, 
do you think there's a pushback like, well, if I give up meat at 80 and it doesn't work, then look what I've missed? <laughs> I, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Uh, yeah, possibly. Um, it's 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 uh, it's the old story, isn't it? Conventional wisdoms receive wisdom. They're the hardest to break. I mean, I mean, Kim, Kim, um, what's his name? Uh, that your uh, ex president of the yeah, Kim Williams. Kim Williams. Yeah, he's uh, he uh, he said, I love that quote of his where he said there's two types of uh, cardiologists: vegans and those who haven't read the science. There must be a lot of pushback in the. Uh, because he wants to get he wants to uh, uh, get rid of his uh, practice, doesn't he? He wants nobody to. He doesn't feel the need well, for cardiologists. Well, basically, that's what's happened to me. Um, you know, I was a conventional cardiologist, and it was you know treating people's cholesterol and diabetes and blood pressure with medication, doing heart catheterizations and stress tests and all that. And you know, now that I went plant based, it's like, well, there's really. I mean, that's a way about it to kind of patch you up, but it's not a cure and there's no real need to do it. And, yeah. I, you know, of all the diseases, I feel most confident that cardiovascular disease can be treated with nutrition alone. And yeah. I don't think people have to die of cardiovascular disease. I, you know, I mean, um, but it's a matter of getting people to believe it. And a lot of my contemporaries would like to, and my cardiology colleagues, Basically, you know, it puts them out of business and, you know, and they and they'll tell people, go ahead and eat what you want. I'll just put another stent in. So they believe in the stent theory of life, you know, and they want to eat what they want to eat. So it's do what you want to do um, and we'll try to fix you up as you go. And um, so it's it's you know, so I basic I, I go to the hospital probably four or five times a year. And it's usually if somebody fell and broke something or, you know, they have some infection or something, it's not cardiovascular. And, you know, so when I walk into the hospital, I'm a stranger anymore. You know, I haven't done a procedure in four or five years because I I don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's, so it's, it's very rewarding to actually get people to come here and say, we can fix this, you know, just by your nutrition. It's very disappointing when, you know, people, despite being sick, can't see the nutrition link. And I, and, you know, I think sometimes they're afraid that it will work. You know what I mean? Because if it works, then I got to keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's that resistance. I can, I, I mean, you, go, you guys, you're going to medicine because you want to heal people. You want people to get better as a result of your efforts. That's your right. That's you want to win. A win is healing. Yeah. So if you can heal them, yeah, great. But if you have to, um, I mean, there's that great cartoon where this guy says, "Oh, you can. You, you've got two choices. You can either have your chest split open, and we do this, and you do that, and we both, or you can go vegan. Oh, go vegan. That's a bit extreme, doc. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's just so hard for people to believe. Of course, there's so much pushback. Um, what, you know, what was your um, what was your push that that, that uh, got you into plant based? Uh, one, vegan? I was getting ready to go and perform a heart catheterization one day, and one of the techs was eating this giant bowl of salad. And I asked her, you know, wow, that's a big salad for such a little woman. And she says, I'm a vegan. And it's like, what's a vegan? I was from, you know, West Virginia, which is not, you know, a meat eating kind of state. And so she said, go read the book, A Diet for a New America by John Robbins. Mm -hmm. 
And when I read that book, I had no idea about, like you, the factory farming, um, the cruelty to chickens, eggs, the dairy industry, and of course the health, the health reasons as far as, you know, uh, how bad things were and how you could reverse disease. So I just, you know, after I read the book, I said, I'm vegan, you know, that was just it. I'm, I'm vegan. And my family wasn't that easy to convince. Uh, they, they, it's like, I don't know about that, you know, but it, so it took some time to get everybody on board, but I just started doing a deep dive into everything that I could read. And, you know, the first people were, you know, um, Caldwell Esselstyn, you know, he's, you know, I don't, anybody, you know, you can't, you can't call, paper tiger. It should not yeah, exist. Exactly. Yeah. You can't call him a quack, right? I mean, the guy is, you know, um, a decorated veteran. He's an Olympic, he was an Olympic athlete. He was, you know, the director of surgery at one of the most prestigious hospitals in the United States. And all of a sudden he said, you know, this, this is not the way to go. And then the other person that influenced me again in the, in the same uh, was uh, Colin Campbell, you know, with uh, at so Dartmouth again, a well-educated man that said, "Wait a minute, this is not the right way to do things," and changed. Yeah, yeah. And, and John McDougal, you know, I mean, he he walked the walk, had a practice. So I was looking for people that actually walked the walk and were practicing physicians that were actually pulling this off because there's a lot of people that talk the talk, but when it comes to implementing it in their practice, they don't do it. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, for fear and, it, and it's mainly fear based uh, here in the U.S. Medicine is uh, cover your backside type philosophy, um, you know, treat everything you can with medications, protocols. And so a lot of people are afraid to deviate from the general consensus. But hasn't uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Dean Dean Ornish? Hasn't he got an agreement with the insurance companies that they will pay for his lifestyle? Yes, uh, he now has an agreement with Medicare that they pay for his programs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he has implemented. They have been implemented in a lot of hospitals. But it's very funny because they, when it actually comes down to implementing them, most people water it down so much that you know so they don't want to offend anybody um so it's a good introduction to plant-based medicine and most of the people implementing it aren't plant-based so mm -hmm. it's a way to get a nutrition program paid for in the united states but um there's not enough support to really keep it going it's getting better i mean there you know there are more and more people that you run into uh that's you know that have you know i think that um, Rip Esselstyn in the United States, you know, and the Esselstyns have really, and, and the McDougals have really um, spread the word of health and how it can be, you know, how people can change their their lives through through nutrition. But um, it's you know st still, you know, a very very small part of healthcare here in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of people struggle. It must be. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I was, you know, I was so uh, excited, you know, as I'm, I'm 60 years old. And when I look at ultra results, I don't know if you do, but I kind of scroll to the last page to see how old the oldest finisher was. <laughs> no, I you don't do that? No, no. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the ones that we do. I don't think they put the age on there. I'm not sure. Yeah, I always, I always look to see you know, who the oldest finisher is, because I want people to, I so desperately want people to keep going. And I yeah. think that 
people running ultras will be able to go like you are if they are plant-based. But I think at some point, if they're eating the standard diet that's, you know, full of fat and animal products, I think that the inflammation is going to catch up with them eventually. Indeed, yeah. yeah. Um, There's a guy called uh, one of uh, Harvey Lewis's friends, Mike Fremont. Yes. 101 year old. <laughs> He's, he inspires me. I mean, for goodness sake. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, he just said, I got colon cancer. We're going to do it this way. And um, yeah, I mean, he's he's fabulous. And I I regret not, you know, I'm going to uh, if you'll send me a link to a photo of you, I'll find one. But, you know, you look you you don't look a day over 65. <laughs> <laughs> Very much, yeah. Well, you, you know, know well, you know, people don't have hair at 20. So don't worry. And you yes, and you still have some up there. So don't worry about that. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, I, I think that it's it's a message that I'd like to get out is that you know, yeah, this ultra community is fabulous. You're too, you're you're really too young, you're you're too old not to run, perhaps. That everybody should try. Um, well, we got this new program coming up. I don't know if you, if, if there was a little mention of it in the article, I think, about the uh, running on plants. Yes. Which is a, a program that which is set up to uh, to do a uh, hundred, sorry, uh, do a five k at the beginning of June. Adopt a plant based diet. Follow all the tips and recipes and advice that you can get online with running on plants, and then do a five k at the end of the month and see what the difference in time is. Nice. Yeah. So that's um, and uh, the guy who who uh, runs it is the guy who filmed me going around that last ultra. Uh, last uh, August, and he uh -huh. he asked, me, he said, "Will you be an ambassador for us?" So, and I'm I'm an ambassador for running on plants. So that, uh, nice. To get, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and looked at the I looked at the website. I think that's very cool. Yeah, and, and you know, I think the more we get that out, the the better. Um, you know, again, the running community sometimes I believe thinks that you're running, you can eat anything you want. And most people are thin because they're running. But in the reality of it is you're still rusting on the inside a little bit. Well, you look at something like a Garmin watch or something. So you've done 12 miles, which entitles you to 1,800 calories or something. <laughs> so I'm sure people say, right, that's just what, that's how many packets of chocolate biscuits is that? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but, uh, you know, again, you're very, you're very inspiring and, um, um, I'm, I'm going to be following you. So you're going to have to, you know, do those hundred. So how, how many are you planning to do a year? What's the, is there? A... If I do three real ones, like getting out on the trail, three, three virtual ones a year, that'll take me to a hundred by my hundredth birthday. Yeah. Done nine so far. I'm in the middle of one now uh, with a firm called the Conqueror. Uh, it's some sort of South American challenge. I've got to do 180 K in uh in, in 30 days or something like that something really doable but it keeps me if i ever think oh i don't need to go out for a walk today but no i've got to because i've got this challenge so i need to get out there and one thing i did find when i was running i, I found this 80 20 running have you come across that where you do 80 percent of your running slowly yes and 20% of it only you, you do fast, you do uh, interval tra uh, uh, training and all that sort of thing. But 80% of your running is just for enjoyment. It's just getting out there, looking around, seeing the birds, looking at cat, saying hello to people. And, uh, yeah. So uh, I'm hoping to get back to that shortly. 
Very, very good. Well, I, I, uh, I think you, I have no doubts that you're, you're, you're going to accomplish it. And um, if you ever come to the U.S. and do an ultra, make sure, make sure I know about it. <laughs> okay, Jamie. Well, it's been lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. That's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll look out for the podcast. It'll be coming out soon, will it? Or... It will. I'll, I'll send you a link to the podcast. Yeah, okay, that's lovely. Well, All right, thanks lovely... for listening. All right, bye. Bye then, Jamie. Bye. bye. Well, what'd you think? Pretty cool fellow. Uh, I think I wouldn't, I'm sure you'll agree with me for that. Uh, it was a great interview. Uh, thanks again, Paul. I will make links to running on plants. And as most of you know, in our practice, uh, we take people to um, push their running career uh, or get them off the couch and start running as well. Um, most of the time people are already plant-based and then we just get them running. Um, but sometimes it's in the uh, opposite direction. But I, I agree with Paul that you're too old not to run. So at any age, you can start running. When he referred to 80-20 running, um, there was actually a book by, I believe the, the gentleman's name was Fitzgerald, that actually trained with the Kenyans and elite runners. And, and most elite runners actually run most of their runs at a slow conversational pace. Um, and then 20%, they kind of let it go and they're doing, that's when they do their speed work and, and their high output, uh, type, uh, workouts. But most recreational runners kind of get stuck in that gray zone. So they never go too fast and they, and they never go too, and they never go slow enough. So they don't build up their cardiovascular fitness. And when it comes to building up your mitochondria and your cardiovascular fitness, easy does it is the way to go. So, um, it's good to get out there and be conversational. Run, walk, um, run a little bit, walk a little bit, um, run slow. But uh, I, and I, you know, as a cardiologist, I advocate running to heart rate. I think that's a, a good way to um, make sure you're staying in the in the right zones. But if you'd like any help like that, you can go over onto our website at drdelaney.com and check things out. Email me at jamie at drdelaney.com for more information. Uh, we'd love to help you as well with your nutrition as well as your running program. I am back from the hills of Georgia. We were up at Vogel State Park running uh, the trails up there, trying to get ready for the Leadville Silver Rush 50-mile uh, trail run in July. Um, had a great time, a lot of elevations, um, joined by a new running friend and member of the practice, Sandy Geisel, showed us the ropes up there. And while we were there, they were actually uh, doing a race called the Cruel Jewel 100. So we actually got to see people running a 100-mile race as well as a 50-mile race. And of course, we went off the trail and went to dinner and went to bed and got up and they were still going. Um, so it was uh, amazing. Uh, the terrain was quite difficult, um, twitchbacks up and down, um, never a flat spot. So hats off to all the finishers of the cruel jewel 100 race. Um, definitely think that's going to have to be on a bucket list. Uh, but for now, uh, headed to the silver rush 50 mile race in July and, uh, continuing the training there. Um, treadmill elevations is what we have from here on out and pulling that old tire. So, Things are going pretty good, uh, ankles back in action, and so we're, we're narrowing down. 
the other cool thing about the Cruel Jill 100 Ultra Marathon is I was told that the race directors are actually vegan and they had vegan options at the aid table. So that uh, was very exciting for me to hear that more and more runners are adopting a vegan lifestyle. Of course, when I heard Paul was an 85-year-old ultra runner and a vegan, uh, that really uh, resonated with me and was very cool. So I'm going to continue to find ultra marathoners and uh, that are vegan and try to get this message out to both communities. And as always, I'd like to thank you for listening and hope you tune in more and share it with your friends that are runners. Uh, maybe they'll become plant-based. Share it with your plant-based friends. Maybe they'll become runners. Thanks for listening.